Here comes the informal introduction. Welcome. (laughs) Welcome to the 1000 Hours Outside podcast. My name is Ginny Urich. I am the founder of 1000 Hours Outside and I'm sitting with a new friend, Christine Bailey. Welcome. Thank you so much, Janie. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, this is this is awesome. I just read your book, The Kindred Life. The subtitle is Stories and Recipes to Cultivate a Life of Organic Connection. Actually, here's the story, Christine. Yeah. I've got the you sent this beautiful. It's a beautiful yeah. book. It's so pretty. Thank and, you so much. And uh, it has so much in it. You know, it's got just beautiful stories and beautiful takeaway points, but then beautiful photography all the way throughout and recipes. Thank you so much. You sent it in this box with the jam and my kids have Thank been you. asking to eat the jam. But I saved it. I said, I have to save it until I do the podcast. (laughs) I can hold it up. (laughs) That's just for mom, right? (laughs) Yeah. No, they've been asking. They've been asking. Lovely jams. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, they're asking. That's a good one. Um, We do these. Yeah, we do these fun seasonal jams at our farm. So it was fun to throw it in there. And the recipe for that jam is actually in the book. Yeah, so. I saw that. So this is called strawberry rose jam. I was like, no, put it back in the box. <laughs> I need that. So <laughs> anyway, they're going to be happy once we're done recording because then they can uh, everyone can break into the jam. But so, Christine, uh, you have this oh, book that came out and you're also a you're a farmer. You're a lot of things. A farmer. Yes. A mother, a writer, a dreamer, a for- you have such an interesting path. A former music industry gal turned social entrepreneur, turned sustainable produce and flower farmer. You are growing deep roots with your chef husband, Stephen. I'm hoping to come in Santa Fe, right? Yes, I said it you right. pronounced it right. Yes. I know, I read about it in the book, <laughs> Santa Fe, Tennessee. It looks like it's Santa Fe, but it's not. Uh, you are passionate about homeschooling, your two wild and free daughters, you will always say yes to waterfall chasing, which you live in a good spot for that. Yeah. Campfire sitting, eating ice cream on the roof under a country sky. And you have a place where you share your adventures and inspiration on your website, which is ChristineMarieBailey.com. You have a blog there and recipes and stuff about your book. And then you have another, you guys have a lot going on. Another website that you have is your Kindred Farm, TheKindredFarm.com, where people can order your cool things. And this book, The Kindred Life, is a rally cry for connection in a time Mm -hmm. when we need to recapture what's been lost in the chaos of busyness, distraction, and isolation. So... That's so beautiful. I I just thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And I think it touches on so many topics that Mm -hmm. we face. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if anything that we've learned over the last three years or two years since 2020 is just that we can't live without connection, those real Mm -hmm. visceral face-to-face, hands-on connections. And so I started writing The Kindred Life in 2019 before COVID even hit. And wow. Wow. Yeah. What timing. Yeah, this is already on my heart. And the book that I always imagined writing, um, the book that was on my heart from just my farming journey through looking through the lens of um, what I had lived and learned on the farm and making that transition in my life. But then, yeah, then the journey that we all went through in 2020, it just made it even more real and, um, yeah, just, I think, even more relevant. And so I'm trying to just um, reclaim some things that have been lost um, through the isolation of that and then also just the busyness of our lives right now Hmm. um, and trying to recapture just wonder, um, like I said, those those visceral connections, um, life around the table. Um, being connected to the land beneath our feet, wherever mm. that may be, yeah. um, you know, whether you're living in the city or suburbia or on land, um, that we would be more connected to right where we are and and mm. be equipped to dig in more deeply there. Um, and then also just to our larger communities. So that's something we're really passionate about here at the farm. So mm, I love yeah, that. So that's kind of my heart behind the book. Sometimes I wonder, you know, you have no idea if people listen to all the episodes, if they just listen to some. And so there's this thing I bring up often, and maybe that's good that it comes up often, because I think it's actually really an important piece of life, which is one of the the 40, there's like this list of 40 um, habits of highly successful people. And it relates to how we're raising Mm -hmm. our kids. And one of them is that we require our kids to read biographies. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so interesting because listening to people's stories can be so 
so powerful for mm-hmm. learning and and for this realization that our paths are not always straight. And that's one of the things I really loved about your book is how you wove your story and your path throughout the book. And I think it gives us permission to veer. And also yeah. a reminder that we don't have to, I think we ask kids, there's too much pressure on kids. What are you going to do? What are you going to be? And you read a story like yours and it's like, well, you've been a lot of things. So can yeah. we start there? I think it's very encouraging. Can you just tell us your path? You know, you yeah. were not always a farmer. Yeah. And I love that you just said that because I've heard you say that several times or before in your interviews. And I love that. Um, I do think that stories are so powerful. And so I'm so grateful for the chance to share that through my book. But yeah, I never imagined that I would end up a farmer, a regenerative farmer in Tennessee at all. I grew up in New Jersey in suburban neighborhood, 30 miles outside of Manhattan. Um, I didn't grow up farming. Um, my, My Italian grandfather was an immigrant from Sicily and he passed away when I was two. But he, um, you know, turned his entire yard in New Jersey into a tomato garden and just grew so many things for the family from there. You know, my dad grew up just that was how they ate. They ate fresh food straight from their backyard. And his my grandmother made homemade sauces and, um, you know, all those kinds of things just with what they grew, because that is what they did. And that's all they knew. Um, But, you know, I didn't grow up gardening. My mom was, um, my mom still to this day just has created a beautiful whimsical yard and just a beautiful like sanctuary there. So I think I Mm -hmm. learned from her about creating beauty and stopping. Like I tell her, she really taught me to stop and smell the roses, literally. Like everywhere we went, it was like, you know, look, look at this. Like I remember one of my earliest memories is being um, outside my kindergarten classroom. And every year my mom would point out, when the crocuses pushed up through the soil and in new jersey that is um you know pretty early 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 spring so it would be like the first um sign of life you know and so i think i really had the foundation there to pretty pursuing beauty and light and you know enjoy being outside but anyways um i ended up going to college in nashville and went to Belmont University and didn't know I would even end up studying music business, but that's a big, a big thing at Belmont <laughs> yeah, in Nashville. Yeah. So. You're in Tennessee in Nashville. <laughs> I, so. ended up, yeah, yeah. Um, I ended up in the music industry and um, in Christian and country music and doing tour promotions and new album releases. And this is all before social media. So <laughs> I was like, wow, you had your work yeah, cut out for this you. Is, yeah, this is like good old fashioned word of mouth um, marketing. So. Um, anyway, just a marketing background there. And I worked in the Africa Relief Organization and asked me to come on with him and help him start it and do kind of the marketing side, the membership um, connections with the members, and also some artist relations things. So I it was kind of a culmination of all of the things I had done up to that point. Um, and right before then, I had traveled to India for the first time which was completely life-changing in all the ways, um, still affects me today, I feel like, in my daily life here on mm-hmm. the farm. And I wrote yeah. about that in my book as well, mm-hmm. um, how that trip impacted me. And um, yeah, and I ended up being able to go to Africa as well once I um, helped start Mocha Club. Um, but yeah, I just really was ready to transition and do something more um, that I felt like had more of an impact um, with my life and my gifts. So I did that for five years. And then um, in the meantime, so I'm living in Dallas now. I'd I'd moved from Nashville to Dallas when I married my husband, Stephen. And then in the midst of me working for the Africa Relief Organization, we saw the documentary Food Inc. I think it was 2009. I don't know if you've seen that, but Mm -hmm. that just shook up our world. Um, It was the first time we really saw what was happening in the food industry. And it brought to light the struggles of organic farmers. And we just were like, what can we do? Um, How can we, now that we have this knowledge, what can we do? And so we just started driving to local Texas farms on Saturday mornings and filling up our cooler with, you know, fresh baked bread and fresh cheeses and all their lovely produce with the dirt still on it. And um, really just became passionate about supporting local farmers. So that that passion started to grow. Um, and we just started to build relationships with farmers and bringing back these lovely goods from the farm and sharing with our friends, like on, you know, Sunday afternoons or, you know, brunch or whatever. 
And they started placing orders with us. So that grew just organically, literally in a Dallas parking lot where we would set up coolers and people would come pick up their things. And we started an organic produce co-op out of that that spread mm-hmm. all across Dallas, Fort Worth. So we, in the end, we had 2,300 families that we grew from wow. literally like 17 families to that. Um, and we we built an, um, this, our, our business was called Urban Acres and we had a organic farm in the city. So a quarter acre urban farmstead with bees on the roof and bunnies and chickens and aquaponics greenhouse. Um, We had a market and cafe there. Um, We did like- Wow, Christine. Yeah, just lots of classes. We did our first farm dinners in Dallas. So yeah, just a really crazy journey. Whenever I tell the story, I'm like, wow, that really is crazy that I've ended up here. (laughs) But then it it really all does make sense. Um, Mm -hmm. I was on another podcast with a friend of mine that's an author and she pointed out something that I'd never seen before about my life. And after we talked about this whole story and she said, I think you've always been a farmer. And Uh. it like gave me chills because I never saw that about myself. Um, But now looking back, I see that I've always been a part of building something from nothing Mm -hmm. and cultivating um, something, you know, wanting to cultivate something beautiful. So, yeah. So then we, um, yeah. Fast forward to end of 2015, we decided that it was time for a big change. We sold our business and we moved to Tennessee where I'd always wanted to return. Um, I was always in love with Tennessee since I came here for college and decided to pursue starting our own farm and looking for our own land. And so we started Kindred Farm at the end of 2016 and literally plowed up the soil from nothing. It was just a big blank field behind our farmhouse and um, the first day of spring 2017. So. Wow. Well, you have you have so many full circle moments in your story, which I thought was interesting, too. It's like you started in Nashville, you know, you returned to Nashville, you went out Saturday mornings to these different farms. Now people are coming to yours on Saturday mornings. There was a really cool story about the blue bike, which I thought was a really Mm -hmm. fascinating full circle moment, too. Can you tell Mm -hmm. us about that? Yes. So for my 30th birthday in, um, we were living in Dallas at the time and I, um, I didn't have kids. We didn't have any kids yet. We have two daughters who are eight and 12. Now we didn't have any children yet. And, um, for my 30th birthday, my husband had the surprise party for me and everybody contributed to buy me this adorable blue, um, turquoise blue Schwinn cruiser bike. And so I was just delighted. I had wanted a bike so badly. And to me, it just symbolized, um, as I was turning 30, I was kind of going through this, this transition of who am I, you know, it's a big point in your life when you're, when you're entering a new decade. And I don't know that bike just symbolized freedom to me in so many ways. And just like who I am on my own. And so I just treasured it. I rode all around the neighborhood in it. It was just a wonderful break from like office work and just really felt like um, it just encouraged who I was at the core of myself. So anyway, after we um, left Dallas or when we were leaving Dallas, we had to pack up everything. So we did not know where we were going. You know, we knew we were coming to Tennessee. We didn't have a job. It sold everything. We sold our home. We were, we didn't, we were going to live or anything. And we had to, you know, we couldn't take everything with us. So the blue bike, unfortunately did not make the cut. <laughs> it had mm-hmm. to, um, I donated it to my friend, a friend of mine that would take really good care of it. But so that was really important to me just to put it in good hands, but it was, it was sad. It was hard to let it go mm-hmm. along with some other things like our, our farm table that we loved. But anyway, so we got to our land, um, in Tennessee about a year later after being in a rental house. And we were just becoming familiar with our land. Like we didn't know what all was here, 17 acres. Um, And so we're out exploring the woods and there's a cabin that the previous owners had built back there. And so I'm kind of rummaging around behind the cabin and I literally was stopped in my tracks because there was a blue bike in the woods, just laying there, a blue Schwinn cruiser bike. And I still get chills. I'm like, why? Like, what is that doing there? Wow. And, and it was just like the most attention to detail moment. And, um, you know, moving and uprooting your life is a really hard thing. 
Mm-hmm. And I just feel like God was like, I will be in the details for you. And I mm-hmm. know, I know like who you are. And it just was a sweet gift. And yeah. it was just so random that it couldn't be random. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I love that you have it. You have it out in front of the store now, right? It's got flowers yes. maybe in the front basket yes. or something I've seen yeah. a picture. Yeah. I don't ride it, but it just sits there as just like a, a reminder. And um, I just mm-hmm. change out the flowers in the basket and it's just a fun little joyful thing every time I pass it. So That's so yeah. cool. You have just so much. It's like you give people this charge, like go for it. It's mm-hmm. all the way throughout the book. So when you were talking about your path, you say it takes vulnerability. This is really big to take a mm-hmm. step when only that step is lit and the rest of the path is dark. You know, we only know the next moment. And so you talk about that you know you talk about going to India you only know this next step or you talk about moving across the country without a job without a home and the rest of the path is dark yeah. but then it illuminates along the way so um, I love that you use the phrase the messy middle so tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about the messy yeah. middle when you moved to Tennessee yeah. yeah I think that um I think that a lot of times we're afraid to make a big change because we don't know what's going to happen and we don't know what the rest is going to look like and Maybe we have this expectation that it's just going to be really smooth and everything's going to fall into place. And we have a fear that it won't be. So we don't take that step. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I've found, and that's that middle ground of like, I don't really know where where this is going yet, but I'm just taking the next step. Um, and, it, and we are kind of waiting for the next, you know, the next step to be illuminated. Mm-hmm. And we just have to have the courage to just take that one step. Um, but what I found in that messy place, and this is one of the big analogies that I have as a farmer, and I know with you gardening too, you probably see this as well. It's just like the beauty that is there in the mess. Mm. It is always some beauty arising out of that mess. Right. And so just knowing like, it's going to be messy. It's going to be hard. We're going to push, we're going to have to push through challenges, you know, none of these things that we've grown here, there's not wildflower fields or, you know, rows of zinnias and gorgeous heads of lettuce without like major mess and dirt and struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's freeing in a way to know that's just part of it. Um, yeah. But but we don't have to wait until it's over or till we're on the other side to experience yeah the goodness and the beauty that comes from that. And, and I think that goes for anything that we're afraid to take the step forward, whether it's like a big life change or something as small as like inviting someone into our home, Mm -hmm. you know, that's really intimidating for people, um, for a lot of people. And that's, you know, another Mm. part of my heart with the book is just, um, gathering people around the table has always been a huge part of our life. My and Steven's life together, whether we were in like this tiny condo that was like not our style at all, to, you know, our own home and then now to our farm with a little bit more land to spread out. It doesn't really matter what your space looks like. It's about just embracing. It's going to be messy. It doesn't have to be perfect. It's not going to be perfect, but that doesn't stop um, the beauty and connection that can come out of it. Mm. So, yeah. Everyone wants to start their year off on the right foot. And for me, that means making sure I'm eating well and have enough energy to do everything I want to do but I'm not going to run to the butcher every day to get a fresh cut of quality meat. That's why Good Chop is such a lifesaver for our family. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high-quality meat and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Their products are vacuum-sealed and frozen at peak freshness, so you can stock your freezer and cook when you want. We had a somewhat last-minute get-together recently, and it was so incredibly convenient to just head to the freezer and pull out a couple bags of Good Chops hamburger patties to whip up some burgers quickly. They were so delicious. Besides being delicious, it's important to know it won't cost you a fortune either. Good Chops' price per meal starts at just $3.74. Go to goodchop.com outside120 and use code OUTSIDE120 to get off across your first four boxes. That's code outside120 at goodchop.com slash outside120 for $120 off. Goodchop.com slash outside120 code outside120. I have been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs when my immune system feels unsupported. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more, 
but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel nourished and ready to face the day. As a parent, longevity is on my mind more than ever before. I want to make sure I'm taking really good care of myself so I can continue to show up for the moments that matter with my kids. Every day, AG1 helps me build long-term health with daily nutrients that support brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm setting myself up for the long run. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash 1000. That's drinkag1.com slash 1000. Check it out. Ah, That's really so beautiful. I thought, um, you know, when you talk about beauty in the mess, you had a spot in the book where, you know, it's like you grew one cucumber and, (laughs) you know, you grew your first cherry tomato and you say it's like a ruby. And I think um, we have a little bit, our stories are somewhat similar in the fact that um, I grew up in suburbia as well. My parents really do love gardening and and my grandma I grew up on a farm and in West Virginia and my grandma always had a garden. Now then she moved to the Metro Detroit area and had a small yard, but she always was growing things back there. She always had beans mm-hmm. and, and strawberries and was trying to save them from the birds. I have memories, but it, it didn't um, land for me until the past couple years, until way later in my life. And then you do learn that if you get one thing, you know, you, you plan a whole row of stuff and there is a little bit of disappointment if there's issues. But when that one thing pops up, it's a miracle. Mm-hmm. It really is. And so there are so many life parallels on the farm and in the garden and things that, and I thought you just did such a a beautiful job of drawing those out. Thank you. I love what you talk about the new page, the new canvas. Mm. So that went back to your childhood. Can you tell us about that? Um, With the, with the blank canvas or the new canvas? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that um, one of the big things I've learned in in growing up, you know, just becoming adult, like becoming who I am, is that it's totally okay to change. And it's totally okay to grow and to do something different with your life. Kind of back what you're saying earlier, like teaching our children, don't have to be the same thing forever. Mm -hmm. Um, And I never knew as a child that I would end up doing this. Um, But, you know, each, each different transition has been another fresh canvas, another another um, way to start again. But then what's really cool is um, what I found on the farm is we are starting fresh every season, but we're also adding to the layers. So in a way it's a fresh start, but in regenerative farming, the way that we're doing it is we're adding new soil every year on top of what was, was, was there before. And so it's actually like adding more nourishment, adding more health to the land. And I think there's a really cool, um, lesson there mm. too. It's almost you know, like you have a bigger canvas every year. Yeah. You related yeah, it to yeah. childhood. You said when you were a kid, mm-hmm. you loved mm-hmm. getting that new canvas. And I get that. Our kids are the same way. You know, you yeah. you paint something and it inspires you to paint something else and you want a new canvas. And so yep. it's like each year you're enlarging uh, the mm-hmm. area that you can paint on. But it, it, but it is that neat thing. I think gardening mm-hmm. is that, oh, this is what I learned. I, you know, it's like yeah. you think that it's going to be um, fun for two months. You know, you mm-hmm. get a harvest. <laughs> and now we're in Michigan, so maybe it's a, it's a shorter growing season. But, you know, in July and August and part of September, you get a harvest. So that's all that it is. But it's really not. I mean, it's as soon as it's over, then you're dreaming about the next year. You're mm-hmm. picking out your seeds for next year. You're thinking how yeah. you're going to lay it out. What did I learn? What am I going to try different? And then you're starting seeds and it becomes this thing that really in a beautiful way adds this rhythm to your entire year of anticipation mm-hmm. and joy and abundance. And so I love that concept of a new canvas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I was, um, yeah, when I was a kid in art class, I think that I really, I loved art class so much. And I loved that fresh, that new piece of paper that they would give me. Um, but yeah, I think that I was always afraid of messing it up or, you know, I think that I've learned the freedom now that it is okay to ask for, just start fresh and you don't have to ask permission. And we have that agency to do something new. And that's a cool thing about gardening. Like you said, every year, 
um, we're dreaming up what, what do we want to do this year? Mm -hmm. So it's a fresh start, but also adding those layers. And I think that's really yeah. cool. Um, yeah. and I love that you said rhythm because that is such, um, I love that word. And I feel like I live the rhythms of life, um, mm -hmm. and seasons so deeply now and so much more deeply since I became a farmer, because you are truly living like with the rhythms of the land and the weather. And mm -hmm. there's a time for, planting there's a time for pulling it all up even though it's really sad I get emotional every year when like right before the frost right before the first yeah. frost and it's like okay this is my last day with my flowers yeah. but there's that hope that you're going to plant something new um mm -hmm. and something and then, beautiful yes. that grows in that time of rest and yeah. then you rest and you dream and that, and, yeah, and yeah. so it does just have so many parallels to life and I I think that as we've moved away from the land we've moved away from a lot of these principles. I mean, I think they're principles in parenting that we don't control. We can't make a flower bloom. You know, we can only nurture. And so all of these things, I think um, I'm always advocating for growing something, even if it's just one cucumber, it really makes yeah. a difference. Yeah, um, it was really sweet because I had, um, we do a farm store here on our land every Saturday morning during the summer. And I had this sweet, I just wanted to let you know that I grew one pea this year. <laughs> so cute. I was like, yes, you grew a pea. <laughs> but it's a, it really is a big like, deal. It I know. Is a big and she deal. was like a single pea. And I was like, I am so proud of you because <laughs> you're, you grew, you grew something and you're going to keep going. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, that's but awesome. I, re I related to that so much. So yeah, totally. You have, I love the, you have these thought provoking questions throughout the book, along mm -hmm. with encouragement. And one of the topics was about trying new things. And you were talking about how every time you try a new thing, it gives you courage to keep going. So you're sort of building this grit. I love this quote. It turns out that playing it safe, at least in matters of the heart is the most dangerous thing you can do. So you just have this theme of of stepping out into the new and learning as you go and you develop grit. So talk about working through the hard. You have so many good quotes in here. Uh, there is no easy way to become stronger. Can you think of yeah. something on the garden that's been hard? Something that in the farm you've had to work through? Yeah. I mean, I think just the physical, the physical demands are just really hard. Um, and, you know, throughout the book, I also weave some stories of like birthing my two daughters. Hmm. Um, and when I had my second daughter in a home birth, um, after having a C-section the first time, I just remember feeling like this is literally the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Mm. Um, but hello, I have a baby at the end. I mean, it was amazing, you know, and um, to this day, I draw strength from that experience. Mm. Um, but then when we started the farm, I was like, okay, this is the second hardest thing I've ever done besides birthing a baby. And there's no baby um, at the end. There's, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, um, but there is so much beauty that unfolds from that. And so, um, I was not, I'm not a person that I think is naturally one that wants to embrace grit or like really hard work. I don't think many of us like to like really work hard mm -hmm. and be pushed to the end of our strength. But, um, but being here on the farm, similar to childbirth, it's like, you can't just choose to not keep going. And so being in a, being in an environment where you have to keep going and you really mm -hmm. have to dig down deep and find that strength. Um, that's, I mean, that's just priceless. Yeah. And so yeah. what I've seen is that I, I am stronger than I ever thought I was. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think we all are, um, I think we can all be more resilient that we, than we know, no matter what our situation is. And so I hope that is encouraging to people to see that, like, if I can do this, you can do, yeah. you know, push through the hard things in your life. And so, um, mm. yeah, I think just in embracing that grit once again and going back to the mess there's going to be hard things we have to, we can push through those challenges and we can see the really good things that come out of it and so yeah, yeah that's kind of what i've learned with that yeah and it's just all the way through your book cuz you've done hard things mm -hmm. all the way through the book i love this quote where you say courage doesn't always roar sometimes courage is the quiet voice at the end of the day saying i will try again tomorrow oh, yeah. that's beautiful yeah and that's a um a quote i quoted um Mary Ann Rodmacher, but um mm -hmm. I love that quote. That is when I chose like 
So at the beginning of each chapter, I include a quote from someone else's inspired me. And when I chose those quotes, I really looked back through my journals for so many years and the, mm. the quotes and themes that stood out. And it's really interesting. Like, yeah, yeah. there's just the themes that have been there that all these years. Yeah. Um, and courage and bravery is a big one because I feel like I've always been trying to find my voice, trying to really embrace like who, what I have to offer the world mm -hmm. and this whole process of finding a deeper strength, becoming a farmer, really finding like, this is, this is like who I am. So I hope to inspire other people with that too. Yeah. Um, yeah it's beautiful. Yeah. I think that writing a book has a lot of parallels to birth as well. Mm -hmm. uh, yep. It's just quite the process. Yeah, just the act of writing the book as well was another just like stepping out. I don't love being the center of attention. It was like, but I'm stepping out because I know that I have a story to share. Mm -hmm. um, and just the act itself of writing a book and releasing a book. I mean, you know how much it is to like launch um, a project that you've been working on for a really long mm -hmm. time and to own that message. Right. So just that act itself was also yeah. you know, a big act of courage for me. So yeah. So obviously it's called the kindred life yeah. um, about cultivating connection. And so community is a huge part of the book. I loved mm -hmm. the story about when you first had a baby and you had a neighbor that had a baby mm -hmm. and you're calling each other to help. So I'd love yeah. to talk about community and what you've learned and how you mm -hmm. foster it and what you encourage other people to do. Yeah. So we chose the name kindred for our farm just because that, um, when I first st stepped foot on the land here, I knew that this was the place. Um, it just felt like this is a place where we were going to gather people. And it, it, I just knew it was the place that we were supposed to be. And so kindred, um, that word means tribe or family. And it just has an element of belonging, drawing people together. And that's what we always wanted for our land, that it would be a place where people would feel more connected to each other and the land and where their food comes from. Um and it was really just a culmination of everything Stephen and I have built in our, our marriage together. And even like before I met Stephen, um, I had my first little, we had like this Valentine's dinner with our one year in our, in my little rental house in Nashville. I wrote about that in the book as well, because I mm -hmm. hadn't realized, oh my goodness, I kind of had a little kindred dinner before I even met Stephen. But um yeah, I think community, there's two elements to community. One is like your larger community that's your, that you're a part of, like your neighborhood, your um, your town and investing in that. And so um, I think that we'll always be a part of that. And having the farm is a great means for that because we have our farm store on Saturdays and we get to meet. We're, we're kind of bringing people to us and welcoming them here mm. on Saturdays. And we get to meet so many neighbors um, that we wouldn't otherwise really have an opportunity to meet other than just like driving door to door, mm -hmm. which isn't very feasible out in the country. Um, right. So there's that element of really getting to be tapped into our local community, but then on a deeper level, community kindred, like the people that truly know us, it's that smaller, that smaller group, that tight knit group. And mm -hmm. it's, can be like a ragtag group of people, like very diverse, um, but that we're brought together in some in some common way. And yeah. we committed to invest in each other's lives. And that's mm -hmm. really messy. That is definitely a messy place. Um, mm. But also that's where life is lived. And so, you know, that's what we found from the beginning of our marriage until now is that, um, you know, we've always be, been the ones that have been inviting people in and just feel like that's one of our main goals and visions for our marriage and our family is providing space for people to be welcomed in, in a mm. real authentic way and just like who they are. And so yeah. I think that um, people can get intimidated by that. So I wanted to provide some ways um, and some ideas for opening up their homes, no matter where they are, whether it's like a tiny apartment um, in the city to, you know, your own land and, um, that it doesn't have to be about perfection or like these perfect meals. It's not about hosting, like getting everything ready and then opening right. the door. It's like, it's, we work together when we invite friends over. It's like, we're all cooking together. Nothing is ready mm -hmm. when people arrive. It's like, okay, let's get, let's start. Like, let's pull out some chairs. Let's get in the kitchen. Like, and it's a very organic experience. Um, mm -hmm. So building community for us is, I mean, absolutely one of the most important things about our mm -hmm. life and that raising our girls in a way that um, 
they see that we want to share the gifts that we've been given with people. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's really interesting because welcoming people, you know, to your, to your home is one thing, but then welcoming people you don't know is another whole thing that they've kind of had to learn and walk alongside us of like welcoming the the larger community to our land. Mm -hmm. And that's like a different set of skills and social things you need to learn for that. So, um, yeah, but it's been a beautiful experience and I truly believe that no matter where we live, that that community is like essential. Um, Mm -hmm. and what I wrote about in that chapter about my friend, when we both had new babies, I mean, it was like a lifeline, you know, and we all, you know, those of us that are moms remember those, those moments with having a newborn. I love that in your book. And I so identified with that, those early days of having newborn and you're like, Oh my goodness, (laughs) like, how am I going to fill the time? And like, what am I going to do? And, um, yeah, I mean, getting outside was a lifeline for us. Like even in Texas in the middle of like, I had my baby in July. So it was degrees outside, (laughs) but just getting out there and meeting at the corner for a walk with my friend Bree and she had her baby and I had mine. And those days I just felt so filled. And, Mm -hmm. um, I I just really think that we can isolate ourselves Mm -hmm. and it's never a good idea. So even if it's just one person, you know, that we have, that's amazing. Start there. And, um, and be the one, you know, people say a lot to me, they're like, well, I don't have anyone to gather with, like who do, where do, what do I do? Hmm. And then I, you know, I just encourage, like, you have to be the one to open the door. Um, if no one's inviting you in, then you be the one to pursue people because there are Mm. people out there that want to, that need to be invited in and somebody has to take the first step and someone Mm. has to initiate it. So. And that is hard. And I think I do think and you have that vulnerability in your book and you talk about the vulnerability in terms of accepting help, which I think is a really interesting topic, Christine, that I haven't read about much. People don't talk about about the importance of being vulnerable and asking. But there's also a vulnerability, I think, when we invite, um, because there's always and it happens, there's you're just opening the door also to rejection, because people don't yeah. want to come or they they cancel mm-hmm. or they don't show up. And and we had a lot of that, especially in the early years, I think mm-hmm. kids get sick. And so then, you know, our kids would be disappointed, you think so and so is coming to the park, and then they don't or yeah. so that vulnerability shows up when when you are open handed. But you know, yep. looking at your life, you see that the end result of community community is worth it. Mm, absolutely. That was another theme that that went all the way through the book is that you were open handed. And I thought mm-hmm. that was really encouraging and inspiring. You know, starting from the very beginning, you went to the different farms, and then you shared it. I mean, you didn't have to do that. You didn't have to bring things back for other people and then start taking their orders. And in doing so, you're you're blessing all these farmers. And then all and then to, to you know, to 20, however, 2000 plus families, yeah. you know, you lived in a really open house way. And I think then when you got to your farm in Tennessee, you did the similar thing. You're, you're giving cinnamon rolls out, you know, this is very open handed. And I thought that part of your life is really inspiring. It's like, you can see the fruit of that all the way through. Thank you. And how, how would it have been different had you not, Mm -hmm. I mean, your whole, your whole path, I feel like hinged on sharing with others. Yeah. Um, I think that thank you for seeing that. It's interesting to see like what other people get out of the book and the themes that they see. Um, I think that that is kind of the abundant mindset of the more there's enough, like there's going to be enough. Mm. So I think that we can live in that scarcity mindset. And I've, that's where I've been in the past of like, Oh gosh, we've got to like hoard what we, you know, there's not going to be enough or that just this feeling of how am I going to share, especially in the days when we're like making no money, you know, we're, really penny pinching, starting our own businesses and all that. It is hard to step out and share, but never in my life have I regretted it once. And the, the abundance, the abundant mindset says like, there is always enough and generosity grows more, you know, Mm -hmm. in the end. And so, yeah, I think that, um, I think that we can never go wrong living that way, you know, even though it might feel at the time, like a little bit scary. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I thought that was beautiful. Mm-hmm. All through your book that you're opening your hands, you're opening your home, you're opening your hearts. And so many people have done that to us. I mean, we live out of, oh my goodness, the people that have poured into our marriage, into our life, into helping us mm-hmm. with our businesses. Like 
we have been given so much. Um, yeah. So maybe just giving a little bit out of that. So we're just that gratefulness. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, I love that. I was really, I thought, like I said, very inspiring and gives you a lot to think about. You have this theme of building slower living moments mm-hmm. uh, into our normal lives. You have really cool quotes. Like, how do we find adventure right where we are? The answer is this, in the ordinary, extraordinary moments with our people. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about, about slowing down. Mm, yes, I love that. In topic. a busy culture. <laughs> yep. I think that that is one of the big struggles of our culture today. Um, we're all living really fast and busy lives. And, um, you know, obviously with social media and screens being a part of our, you know, phones in our pockets, I know we talk about, you talk about that so much on your podcast. And I've learned so much from the different guests you've had. Um, but I think it's really tempting and easy to, just move into this fast paced life. So many messages, mm. so much distraction, so many voices and slowing down. Um, yeah, I talk about slowing down to the speed of listening. And that phrase mm. came from um, so, um, someone that came to one of our farm dinners. And he said that I'm to slow down to the speed of listening. And I've never forgotten that phrase because that's what we have to do in order to truly listen to people and in order mm-hmm. to listen to perspectives. We can't do it without slowing down. Um, and yeah. so without providing some time, like there has to be time and space to really foster relationships, to really foster community, to invest in our families. Like we can't be going, going, going all the time, missing each other, not sitting down for meals not having slow moments with our families on, you know, on Sunday Mm -hmm. afternoons or whatever it may be, and actually feel like we're going to be connected to each other. So Mm -hmm. that is like a requirement for connection. Um, But we're missing that, I think, a lot in our modern lives. And we're trying to find connection other places that doesn't actually fulfill us. And so that's what I'm asking people to do in the kindred life is let's return Let's slow down. I mean, obviously we all have lives that are full. We can't Mm. slow down every single day. There's times to work hard and there's times to rest and there's times to play, but we've got to build those times in on a regular basis um, Mm -hmm. to nourish ourselves, to nourish our families and our relationships. Yeah. When the skies open up while others seek shelter, I embrace the rain. Heading to my favorite hike, the raindrops are like a soothing melody and my vessies ensure each step is dry and comfortable, turning a simple outing into a rather delightful experience. Whenever my kids and I are stepping into a great outdoors adventure, I love wearing Vessi's Stormburst boots to capture the beauty of springtime landscapes. Their robust style is perfect for our nature excursions, adding a little dash of elegance to our outdoor explorations. This spring, transform how you view wet weather with Vessi. Their Dymatex technology makes their shoes not just waterproof, but a stylish barrier against rain and puddles. Whether it's a sudden downpour or a planned seaside walk, Vessi shoes ensure your feet stay dry and comfortable. Embrace the essence of spring with Vessi. From chic city walks to adventurous treks, find the perfect pair for your lifestyle at Vessi.com outside and enjoy an automatic 15% off your first order upon checkout. That's V-E-S-S-I dot com slash outside for 15% off your first order. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Question, what's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Read a few chapters of that book, start painting that guest bedroom, tackle that pile of laundry, play a card game with your kids. A lot of us spending our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. If you're feeling stuck, therapy is something that can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is a wonderful thing. It can help you learn positive coping skills or show you how to navigate properly setting boundaries. With BetterHelp, it's easy to get started. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and visit BetterHelp.com slash 1000 hours to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 1000 hours. 
You have so many thought provoking questions at the end of each chapter, which I really, I loved them. And, and you kind of like would sum it up. This chapter is about unity. Mm-hmm. This chapter is about vulnerability or, or whatever the different chapters, you know, so, sort of summing up this theme and, and this topic. And so in this one, I had written down some of the questions because I thought they were so good. Mm-hmm. List some things you wish you had time for, you know? And, and so that made me think like, oh, I wish I had more time to, you know, just sit and play board games with my kids or mm-hmm. we were reading out loud a little more or, or different things. And then what, what can you say no to that is stealing time away from you? And mm-hmm. are you spending the time, your time the way you want to? So, you know, each chapter has this beautiful thought provoking questions that mm-hmm. help you reflect and, and to make small changes. And to sort of step out of the busyness, which is ironic coming from you because you have a farm (laughs) and you're homeschooling and you wrote a book. So I know, I know. It's a lot. It's a lot going on. But I love to say our lives are full rather than busy because I feel like busyness can be kind of an excuse of I'm too busy. I can't handle this. Or, you know, it's almost like this week underlying prideful thing that we can have with busyness. Mm. Um, Like we almost find a value in like, I'm so busy. I have so many things going on. Um, And I think it helps us avoid if we're busy, we can avoid things and we can avoid ourselves. Yep. Yep. And avoid the hard questions because we don't have the time to sit with them and Mm -hmm. sit with the things that you know, we should be sitting with. So there's a lot of things there. And I, and I think I love that you put whenever possible, like build it in whenever possible. And you have this quote from Brennan Manning, we only have a limited amount of time left. So Mm -hmm. just all these amazing reminders all the way through Christine. They're so beautiful. Can we hop back to vulnerability? Because um, like I said, I've not read about that in other books much. And I would say that's probably something that I struggle with is asking for help. You feel like Here's how I feel. I feel like, you know, how can I go ask for help? We have all these things going on that are good. And everyone else's life is just as busy, if not more. Everyone is is struggling through. So, you know, you just feel like, well, who am I to go ask somebody else for help? And you say it's a character building moment to let people help us. So true. And I understand because I am definitely not the kind of person that wants to ask for help. I want to do everything myself. I want to have that like capability attitude. You know, I can check all the boxes. Um, But then I think we all find ourselves in a situation in life some at some point where we cannot, we need help. Like we cannot handle it all on our own. And you know, one of the first times I really experienced that, which I wrote about is when I was so sick with my second daughter, when when I had my pregnancy with my second daughter and I was so sick, I couldn't even barely leave the, my bed, um, and take care of my three-year-old. And I don't know, in those moments, I think we're really forced to, to face that we can't do life alone. And, Mm. you know, I think that asking for help it's an invitation to people. Um, And if we are all honest with ourselves, we all need it at some point. So I think it's a beautiful thing. It's a give and take that we, that is part of living in community. There are times when we will need help and there are times when we'll be able to give help. And that can go back and forth depending on where we are in our lives. And once we've been in that vulnerable place of needing help, then much more ready to be the person to provide it later. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said before, I've just had so many people do that for me when I've needed it. And then, um, mm-hmm. when we, we came to the farm, that was just another level of, you know, we want to share this place with people. We want this to be a gathering place. We want this to be a safe place for families and kids to play of all ages. And so we need some help making that happen. Like we want this to be a place that's shared, but mm. we need other hands invested with us. And yeah. so I mean, I go on for an entire page of all the people that have done just like all different things on our land, like my sweet college roommate, like learning to use the broad fork and um, a friend of mine with a toddler, like pulling weeds, like it doesn't even matter what it is. It's just like people getting dirty with Mm. me. And I think that that I want, I want us to get our hands dirty in whatever way it is, if it's literal or figurative that we have to do that in relationship. Mm. Yeah, I like um, I like when you talked about well, there it was. I don't remember what the exact stories are, but it was the the point was is that you had asked for help 
mm-hmm. in some capacity, maybe yeah, maybe when you'd had a baby or you're talking about, you know, when you were pregnant mm-hmm. and then something else came up and you had to sort of sound the alarm again and that that was a struggle. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, how much do we lean on people and where's that balance mm-hmm. there? And that, you know, sometimes you feel like, well, I just asked for help. Uh, <laughs> what are yep. these people going to think, you know? Uh, yeah. And I just, I. I don't know. It just made me think. You said the crucial flip side of hospitality is the act of showing up and being willing to be fed. I thought, oh, yeah, you know, you go you you hit both sides there. And yeah, um, I found that a lot with our farm dinners. So we host these kindred dinners on our land multiple times a year. They're seasonal, usually in the spring and the fall. And um I want to come. Yeah, I know. That would be amazing. <laughs> Our next dinner will be this um, October. So, and we have like, oh, I'm writing it down. Did people already, did people already sign up? No. So we haven't announced ticket sales yet, but um, yeah, it'll be this October. So oh, okay. We well, can... this is a good time to say people should sign up for your email then. Yeah. Because that definitely. way you find out for it. Yep. You, you find out about it through up. email. Yep. Thekindredfarm.com. Um, we always announce it to our email list first. Um. But that's one of the things um, our event director from our very first dinner, our first dinner was October 2017 that we hosted on our land after a full season of growing the food and partnering with other local farmers and raising the animals. And then we had this beautiful dinner of almost 100 people. And um, my friend Amy, who is our event event director, just she said that quote right before what you said in in the book. She shares this quote about how hospitality um it's not just about opening up your home, but it is about the people. The other side of hospitality is the people that are showing up. Like what mm. a vulnerable, like, I think it's so easy to focus on ourselves and think, oh my goodness, it's so hard to open up my home and my table. And like, um, but it is really vulnerable to show up at someone's house hungry, you know? Mm. And so I think about that too, with people that come to our farm, like, they really are vulnerable to showing up and just not knowing what to expect. And mm-hmm. so there's, that is a part of hospitality as well. Like we have to remember the other side of it um, yeah. that we're all just kind of um, we're all just showing up and we're all like learning as we go. And so maybe that is, does bring a little, take a little bit of the pressure off in, um, in opening mm-hmm. up our homes and and opening up our lives to people. It's like none of us, um, don't understand the feeling of being vulnerable at some point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so beautiful. I don't think about it very much, mm-hmm. um, but definitely did uh, just really enjoy that chapter. And you say people don't want to be entertained. They want to feel welcomed mm-hmm. and known, you know, that there is just this, there's something powerful about food, you say, just sort of gathering around the table and I loved, oh, there's so many things here, Christine. We're running out of time. Uh, we're running out of time. But so many just beautiful, beautiful parts of your book. And, you. you know, just this, maybe I'll grab one last theme here of stoking someone else's fire. Mm-hmm. I love this phrase. You were talking about how, so this goes back to your beginnings of on Saturday. You, you watched the movie. Mm-hmm. Well, and this was another full circle thing. Yeah. You watched Food Inc. Mm-hmm. And Joel Salton is yeah. in... That, you know, he's kind of like the main farmer in that with his big hat. And we watched it too, probably back similar time that you did. And then he came to your stuff. You know, he comes to the dinner. He comes to the, you know, you're having these different events. And I thought uh, that was so cool. But back in that period of time for those Saturdays and you're driving, Mm -hmm. you said, you know, these people, they're just doing their jobs. Mm -hmm. But along the way they have birthed this in you, you know, this has been your complete transformation, you know, these farmers. And and I would imagine maybe some of them don't even know that here it is a decade later. And now you have a book, you know, that wouldn't be here if not for them opening their home. So let's talk about how the role that we play in other people's lives that we may not even know about. Yeah. I think that can go back to the abundant mindset of just giving of giving of information, giving of our knowledge. Um, What have we learned sharing that, um, if those farmers had not, yeah, we just traveled to their farms and asked to learn from them in their own environments. And they were generous with that. And mm-hmm. I don't think they ever knew that we were going to become farmers or that we would be right. doing this. You today. Didn't know. No, we you didn't know didn't either. Know. We were just, try- yeah. we were just interested. We wanted to support them and we were, we thought it was interesting. And that has just been a theme of my life um, ever since then. And we try to do that with our farm when people ask questions or 
um, want a tour or want, I mean, so many people that come to our farm store want it. They're like, we want to do the exact same thing as you. And we're not intimidated by that. We're like, great, go for it. Like mm. do the same thing. There's not competition there. There's enough to go around yeah. and because they'll put their unique spin on it. And we've put our unique spin on ours and there's room mm -hmm. for all of us to do that. And there's room for all of us to go after our own dreams. So yeah. Oh, that's yeah. so beautiful. Uh, I just absolutely really enjoyed the book, Christine. So it's Thank the Kindred Life Stories and Recipes. And, and you do include some just awesome recipes in there, which is mm -hmm. which is fantastic to cultivate a life of organic connection. And like I said, there's these thought-provoking questions at the end of every chapter and um, beautiful photography. It's just, it's a gorgeous book, Christine. I love you, the photos that you chose and all these different things to think about. So obviously, I, this book is wherever books are sold, yeah. people can find that. And tell us real quick about your two websites. So there's one for the farm. Yep. So um, my personal website, I have a blog and um, an email list there where you can sign up and listen to the chapter one of my audiobook. I read the whole audiobook, which was super fun. With, yeah. So this was a cool um, new thing that you did that very recently, right? Yeah. Well, fairly was, recently. Yeah. It was before it was released, but um, I loved the process of reading the audiobook. It was so cool. Um, I mean, it took yeah. you know, several days time, but I'm really excited about mm -hmm. that. So you can hear the whole first chapter if you join my email list and there's other free, little free guides and goodies I've put out there. That's Christine. You got great stuff. Yeah. You got great you. stuff on the book. Things I've learned since releasing my first book. I think that, I mean, that's intriguing. Five yeah. plus ways to enjoy basil, your top, your favorite cookbooks, mm -hmm. your best homemade bread recipe, the easiest homemade bread recipe, book launch information. So yeah. ChristineMarieBailey.com. There's a lot there. It's a cool website. Thank you. Um, and then the kindredfarm.com is our farm website. So we also have an email list there and we um, notify our email list friends first. They get a head start on ticket sales and, you know, we send out recipes and things like that for people that aren't local as well. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah. And then the book, if you, um, want a signed copy, you can order that through our kindred farm online store and we can ship out mm -hmm. a signed copy there. So ah, that's so cool. So, and what else do you have in your store? Um, so we have, we don't ship everything, um, that we sell, but here locally, we sell artisan jams, our perfect granola. We have our cinnamon rolls. We make spice mixes, homemade kimchi. So my husband is half Korean. So we use like his family recipe for that. Um, we have all kinds of fun t-shirts and hats. Um, mm -hmm. so we can ship some of those things that are not perishable. Um, but yeah, and then our farm stores open um, every Saturday morning through the summer. And then we have our farm dinners. So our next one will be in October. Um, and we do private events as well. So my husband's a chef working mm -hmm. all throughout the week and, and um, doing private events for people. So just that's just what we do. And um, yeah, we love inviting life. people into it. Yeah. yeah, we love it. And I've seen, I've actually seen different people that have come through and they've posted that. I can't remember. I just saw someone recently and they were there and uh, just a, a great place for people to meet and connect and connect yeah. with you. And I love, so yeah. people can find the Kindred Farm in Santa Fe, Tennessee. Where are we down that way? I'm, I'm, I don't know. We'll Definitely. be down that way for, for wild and free in September. So, you know, I'm already kind of spinning my spinning my mind um, like oh we should I don't talk think we'll be that far yeah it's not that far from franklin it's about 35 to 40 minutes um and i'll oh yeah that's not far at so. all yeah i'll see yeah. you there oh this is so exciting <laughs> that conference is so fun i, I already know. can't i already that's can't amazing. wait so um, yeah maybe and then by the farm yes um and then i'm we're on instagram i'm organic steen and then the kindred instagram too so so the Kindred Farm on Instagram is spelled Organic Steen, so people know. Uh, yeah, O-R-G-A-N-I-C-S-T-I-N-E. So pretty much people called me Steen my whole life, but that's where that comes from. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> it took me a while to catch that. All right, I get it. I was like, I would have called that Stein, but it's from your name. So that's really yeah, cute. Exactly. All right. Okay, well, uh, Christine, we end with a favorite childhood memory of yours that was out in nature mm, i love that question at the end of all your podcasts um i'm gonna i mean i have a lot i wrote about one in my book with my my little tree amanda my dogwood tree that i love to sit under um but i'm gonna i'm gonna say swimming 
underwater um, at the community pool and swimming with my mom. So we had a town Aww. pool in um, the town I grew up in, in Madison, New Jersey. And it was just like the centerpiece of our lives in summer. I mean, we went every single day. Um, wow. It's still a happy place for me whenever I return back there. But um, I don't know. I just felt so much peace swimming underwater. And I would call it like the crystally caverns where it, like the sun shining through the water and it's just quiet. <sighs> Yeah. Um, and I still, that's like such a like peaceful place for me to think about and, um, and yeah, just swimming with my mom all day. And then, you know, in New Jersey, it gets cool in the evening. So we'd like put on a sweatshirt, eat snacks and the grass was cold under our feet and just all the sensory mm. parts of that, of yeah. that memory. I love beautiful. so. Yeah. It is beautiful how the water catches the sunlight. Yeah. It's such a pretty thing. It look it does look like crystals. Yeah. I love that. Well, Christine, thank you. I just loved your book so much. And thank I you, um, I'm looking forward to meeting in person this yes. year. What a treat and hopefully being able to swing by the farm. And so um I know people will get so much out of following you and you. signing up for your email and all the cool things that you have going on. Thank you. Thank you. I loved being on. Thank you so much. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy The Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of The Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy.